I'm kind of going through a second wave of teenage angst because this is all I'm listening to. And it's kind of annoying because I'm behaving like a 12-year-old child, but I can't help myself. Welcome to Doc This, a podcast where we get behind the creative process of Ryerson's documentary media graduate students. Each episode, we will feature one of our colleagues who will talk about their current documentary work along with the concerns and insights they've had along the way. One, two, three. What is punk? Is it music? A dress code? A way of life? Emerald Mbuku is our guide into the unabashed history of punk rock, as told by its rejects. The standard narrative of punk is typically driven by the image of white men thrashing in Doc Martens and shaved heads, which Emerald says is just one corner of the punk community. By highlighting women of color in the punk world, she rejects the standard narrative as being the only narrative and adds to the rewriting of punk history. And also, of course, we'll talk about why Kanye is cancelled. Sarah Wiley and Danny Fisher had a conversation with her in beautiful B23, a doc media grad lab, tucked away in the depths of downtown Toronto. Let's have a listen. Uh, Could you start off with a a quick elevator pitch or uh, brief synopsis of your project? Well, Girls with Dark Skin is the working title. Uh, It is the unfiltered and unabashed history of of punk rock, as told by its rejects. So right now I have about five women of color, and they'll be telling the history, the oral history of punk rock in their own way. Um, Sarah and I were both curious, uh, what are you listening to now? Like what's, uh, what's on your, uh, your phone, your iPod, whatever you're listening to when you're commuting? Uh, this is going to sound really weird, but a lot of skinhead reggae, and that's just mm. another term for British reggae. So it's a uh, 60s reggae um it's it's a combination of both um like punk and reggae it's reggae created specifically for british market um i don't know if i went into this but this original skinhead movement was just like an aesthetic movement like really short hair doc martens uh like cuffed up uh sleeves and rolling your jeans and like bomber jackets and all that stuff but it's it's really fun music. It's very different from just Jamaican reggae because of the fact that it's marketed to white British boys. So it kind of sounds more pop-like, but also smoother. And it's like they were making the music for kids who didn't know how to dance, but just wanted to have a good time. And so I just downloaded a bunch of stuff from there. I'm also listening to a lot of classical music just to de-stress. Um, aqua. <laughs> Um, Bad Religion, for some reason I got into them. I, ne- I never liked them, and then I'm, I'm really into them right now, so I'm like discovering myself again. I'm curious, what's your own like personal history to punk music, and when did you, when did you find it, and how did it affect you? Um, I found punk pretty early in life as like an angry black child living in the suburbs. There's not much you can do except to listen to angry music because you're so bored and all the kids in the neighborhood are listening to the same type of music but it was weird because I'm listening to this as a young kid and it's just a bunch of white guys and it wasn't until like I started doing this and digging into it deeper that I'm finding like bad brains 
and fishbone and obviously polystyrene, like all these black kids who have been doing this as well. But I just got into it because of like systemic racism, um, being a woman, um, being a black woman with the stereotypical curvy body, like trying to find a way to react to that without committing some type of like self-inflicted violence, if that makes sense. Just trying to unleash this type of anger that I had. And I'm kind of going through a second wave of teenage angst because this is all I'm listening to. And it's kind of annoying because I'm behaving like a 12-year-old child, but I can't help myself. Like, that's what happens when you just listen to angry music all the time. You're just angry for no reason. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that. <laughs> Oh yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say I, this happened to me recently. I just started listening. I was like, oh, when you were start talking about punk and playing it in class, and I went back and started listening to X Ray Specs, yeah, who uh, Polystyrene's lead singer yeah. of, and I was like, oh, this is taking me. I'm channeling some rage here. Yeah, I think it's a good outlet actually. Yeah. <laughs> but then it gets too much, and you're like, I'm too angry, and I don't want to be. So I dress like super girly. I'm like, okay, it's fine. I try to balance it out, but I'm still like mentally angry. Anything that happens, I'm just pissed, and I'm like. I'm not like this in real life. Something's gotta give, but such is life. <laughs> you you kind of gave a, a little bit of an outline of kind of what is punk if you know someone wandered in from Mars and didn't mm-hmm. know uh, what it was earlier, um, and then you know you're you're in listening to you talk, you're you're sort of letting us in on some of the revelations that you've made in terms of artists and people who've been there all along mm-hmm. or, you know, this sort of thing. I guess I'm curious, uh, in terms of thinking about the definition of punk, um, how, how might you amend general definitions that you think maybe most people walk around with when they think of, of punk? What, uh, how might you kind of put a fence around this is punk and this is maybe where we're using the term in kind of a, colloquial general sense Mm -hmm. but it's not really punk well punk would be the opposite of me right now so it's (laughs) anti-capitalist anti-consumerist um kind of socialist sometimes um it's a whole it's a whole lot of what whatever you want to make it punk is just anti whatever you think it is there is it's both an aesthetic and the music genre aesthetically it's like safety pins and lots of kind of rough around the edges looking like the opposite of what society wants you to look like but also punk is looking like whatever you want to look like it's also listening to whatever you want to listen to behaving however you want to behave it's you're basically just acting like a punk you're just acting like how society does not want you to act that's what punk is that's what i personally think it is but for a lot of my subjects, it's a lot of different things. Punk is everything to some people, and punk is nothing to a lot of people mm-hmm. because it has so many pockets. Mm-hmm. A punk is just the definition of punk is just endless. Could you tell us more about uh, some of the subjects or people that you're going to be telling <clears throat> the narrative of punk through? Um, and yeah, what different perspectives are they bringing to this? Sure. Story? So I have five women right now i have three black women who were the original women for girls with dark skin and then i have a latina woman and a middle eastern woman um all five of them iron like ironically didn't know that other women of color listened to punk music 
So I'm trying to get them to talk to each other and kind of uh, become friendly with one another. I think that's important for um, ostracized punk listener music listeners. They feel very isolated. Like I want to be able to interview them individually as friends, kind of, and have their honest answers about the punk community, what it means to be a black, uh, sorry, a woman of color in the punk community, and how their woman womanhood or their femininity or their political beliefs affect how they interact with the punk community as well. Very cool. So will there be a, a focus on the Toronto, like the Toronto local punk community as well? Not really. The Toronto uh, punk community is kind of dead. Um, most of the clubs have been shut down or they're in Oshawa and that's a very white dominated city or they have shows at Lee's Palace, but they don't really have those are more hardcore punk shows. And again, that's mostly dominated by white males, uh, female friendly or queer friendly or POC friendly punk spaces are very limited because these spaces have to be created. So you would have to have a show at someone's house in their basement or their backyard. As a white feminist who grew up on punk, this mm-hmm. is like a, I'm really interested in your project and I feel very like excited to see where you'll go, especially because my experience in the punk scene was, yeah, like big white dudes pushing me around in a mosh pit and like mm-hmm. trying to like, like go on just get in there and and it wasn't a safe space mm-hmm. and to me now it seems totally unreasonable and yeah it was mostly white um scene and so to have those spaces of where punk exists and then to know that all of these women and women of color are listening to this music on their own and having their own experiences i just yeah i love the idea of this kind of mm-hmm. hidden hidden narratives of punk yeah, and I was just I just finished reading American Hardcore, which is also like an oral history of punk, and a lot of the chapters talk about how um, some bands were fronted by Latinos, and they would write these anti-racist songs, and they were really hoping to have more black kids and more Latino kids and more indigenous kids at the shows, but as the years went on, like the whole skinhead movement started, and it became a, a fascist thing, so more shows were becoming more white but the singers were also not white and it was an issue that they were trying to deal with and because the skinhead movement as we know is now a fascist movement we're never going to go back to a time where like like someone like me could go into a punk show with the original skinheads and have a good time because of just race dynamics and how weird it's become it's always been a white dominated movement but it's never been a racist one. That's the thing that people don't really know about, like the 80s hardcore punk movement and punk movements earlier than that. It was never a racist movement until fascist people, like fascist skinheads came into the movement and made it an unsafe space for even white kids. This, this is backtracking slightly, but I, had, I just remembered I had wanted to ask you this mm-hmm. at some point. Um, you you did a film last semester that involved uh, Kanye. Uh, oh yeah, fleetingly, uh, and you've expressed a lot of opinions, uh, importantly, rightly about fascism during this interview. So I'm curious mm-hmm. about any observations, comments you have about Kanye West's unusual turn towards the alt right in recent weeks. Kanye's canceled, um, <laughs> and it like pains me to say it, but. He's just saying some nonsense that's just not appropriate. 
And Snoop Dogg said it best, which is like Kanye has no black women in his life. And black women have unfortunately had to bear the burden of keeping black men in check and telling, basically telling them to like not say stupid things. And Kim is around Kanye. Uh, Kanye is around Kim, who does stupid things. So Kanye does stupid things too. And he just lost the trust of all his friends who were there for him. He's just, he's just saying nonsense. And then he has other black people calling him out. And then he apologizes. Like, you don't say things like slavery was a choice when you're the descendant of slaves. Like, when your mom was, was like, arrested for her acts during the civil rights movement when your grandmother couldn't even drink out of like a clean water fountain you don't say things like that obviously my diaspora is different because i'm african so i can only say so much but seeing these things like kanye used to be so unapologetically black like george bush doesn't care about black people Mm -hmm. like he, he would say things that like black people were like oh my god we don't even say these things and now he's posing with white supremacists wearing a MAGA hat. like. And then the worst part of all of that is the fact that a lot of black men who refuse to make sense, basically, follow Kanye and will do all the things that Kanye is doing. Mm-hmm. Like when Kanye was mm-hmm. releasing his album, we were all saying Kanye is canceled, but it seems like only black women canceled Kanye and black men decided he needs a number one album so i can go on and on about kanye but like kanye is canceled and i'm like upset and i feel like trash because if he goes on tour i'm kind of going to be tempted to buy tickets but then i have to be like for the culture i cannot i can't support him like he's just nonsensical and i hate it because it's kanye (laughs) i had a feeling you'd have something to say (laughs) so i'm glad i asked (laughs) We just should just end it at Kanye's cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> Good enough to end yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that pretty much wraps up episode three of Doc This. But before we go, here's John Verhaven with your one minute doc review. War Tourist. War Tourist features five short documentaries. Each visits either a war zone or a disaster site. Sarajevo, the Paris suburbs, Auschwitz, New Orleans, and Chernobyl. War Tourist is a complete failure as an historic account. That does not, however, appear to be the film's goal. All five critique the act of commodifying disaster, albeit through an act of commodification. Each tour guide is a paid professional. The following are my haiku-like reviews of each. 1. Sarajevo. Ponytailed Man speaks of Sniper Alley and Sarajevo flowers. 2. Suburbs of Paris. 90% Muslim. Two kids chased by cops died. Parents pepper sprayed. 3. Auschwitz. Broken porcelain toilets that will haunt me well past the parking lot. 4. New Orleans. Wood frame houses launch hard at trees and poles. The levee did worse than nothing. 5. Chernobyl. Geiger counter and ski jacket. The tour guide warns of wild boars and thieves. You can view War Tourist for yourself at wartourist.net.
This is hosted by Danny Fisher and Sarah Wiley, with thanks to Ryerson Image Arts and the MFA Documentary Media Graduate Program. This episode's guest was Emerald Mbuku. The Doc Review was written and performed by John Verhaven. Doc This is edited and produced by John Verhaven and myself, Kenny McDonald. Thanks for listening. Thank you.